February 24th, 2023. So I just got to Puerto Vallarta and it is really pretty and warm. From Elias Studios and How to LA, this is Finding Home con DACA. I'm Brian De Los Santos. It is surreal to be here because it smells like Mexico. It smells like what I've grew up, my mom, grandma smelling. And for anyone just jumping in, this is part two of a three-part series. If you haven't heard part one yet and you don't like starting your stories in the middle, you might want to check that one out first. I'm in Puerto Vallarta, Jalisco. It's my first stop in Mexico because I wanted to have some fun before I explore Mexico itself. As I'm taking the sights, smells, and sounds of Mexico for the first time in my adult life, my heart is literally racing. I'm in this little corridor behind all the busy streets. It's like gardens, playgrounds, skate park. There's like a little stage type thing. It's exactly what I wanted to do when I came here. All right, which way is the beach? I've never felt truly Mexican, but I'm also not American. At least not in the way that many people think. I've always felt like I'm somewhere in between. A person always looking for their true home. We have a phrase for this in Spanish, ni de aquí ni de allá. And now I'm getting this chance to see my roots in person. It's the people, it's, I don't know, speaking Spanish. It's knowing that this is your country. I was approved for something called advanced parole. It's a travel document that allows some DACA recipients like me to travel outside the country and return without a visa. First time leaving the country. First time leaving my country. This whole thing is not an easy process. And people who do get approved typically only have a few weeks to get their travel plans together and go. And the stakes are pretty high. Trying to return to the U.S. after your deadline could mean losing DACA, aka my driver's license, my work permit, my social security card. I met a group of other queer Mexicans, and the first thing they said, girl, you may be living in L.A., but you the same like us. <laughs> but for me and so many other DACA recipients, the chance to visit our countries of birth, learning about our history, and hugging our abuelitas in person is worth the risk. I was at the beach earlier with a friend I met here in Mexico, in Puerto Vallarta. There was a moment where the sun was just setting and it was just so beautiful. I said, this is the happiest I've ever been in my life. The beach, the sun, no worries, no thoughts. And I don't think I've ever experienced that. I'm trying to be this journalist right now. <laughs> Recording. What are you feeling? And why are you crying? <laughs> After 30 years of living in the United States, I'm finally stepping foot in Mexico. And this could be my only chance to do it. It's like I had to fight my way to find this happiness. So I'm happy, I'm upset. I'm all the emotions right now because 
because I can't have this all the time. It took so much to get here. So much. It's not fair. Part two, Hecho en Mexico. February 28, 2023. I just arrived in Ciudad, Mexico after four days in Puerto Vallarta. There was fun, the beach, drinks, meeting new friends, connecting with communities there. But now in Ciudad, Mexico, I'm looking forward to seeing the historical monuments, the city-like environments, and also connecting the dots between LA and Mexico City. There's so many parks, like literally around every corner, yeah, and it's so pretty because it's so well kept. I hear that Mexico City is kind of like LA without the gringos. My friend Javi and I get in his car and we're playing tourists, obviously. And we're going to Coyacan, which is a really beautiful historic town in Mexico City. And I had to ask him how he viewed me. Am I Mexican? What do you see me as? And I tell him, no, I'm not gringo, I am not a Chicano, I don't claim those things because I'm undocumented, you know, I don't have a U.S. citizenship, I don't have a green card. After we talk a little bit, I think I get it. When I was younger, I would look at the things I didn't have, what I couldn't do in the U.S., and he tells me, well, I can do these things. He made me realize about all these privileges that I do have in the U.S., having a work permit, having a car, being able to navigate life a little easier, the opportunities I've been able to take just by living here in L.A. <laughs> but I told Javi... I don't feel like the people here treat me differently because of it. I no, no, no. Aquí siempre los mexicanos siempre te aquí en México te vamos a tratar como de pásale paisano, ya sabes. You're a Mexican when you're here in Mexico, he says. We'll treat you like our own. One of the things I did in Mexico City was to visit Parque Mexico. I am in Parque Mexico to celebrate the life of my friend, Armando Montaño, probably one of the best friends I've ever had in my life. He was just amazing and smart, so talented. And he was a journalist. Mondo came to Mexico City for the Associated Press. This was his first kind of solo experience. And I wasn't out as a gay person. He was. He'd been out for a while, actually. <laughs> The reason I say that is because he would write to me all of his fun adventures, meeting new friends, going to dinners, dancing to his favorite songs. And I remember one day he was getting ready to go out with his friends in this area. And I told him, oh, my God, have fun. Tell me everything what happened in the morning. I want to know. He said something to the effect of like, of course, cutie, we'll talk later. Um... That was the last time I've ever talked to Mondo. I think at that point in my life, I was really young and I didn't really know what loss meant. I feel a little sad right now. <laughs> and I feel the same grief I've felt over the years. 
this park was one of his favorite spots in the city it feels like i'm with him um i actually bought uh orange daisy and i brought it to the park with me because i want to place it in a place that to me is mondo and i'll find a spot in the park and i'm gonna just think about him and tell him how much i miss him and how much i love him and that he became an inspiration for me to this day because y'all if mondo were alive at this moment he'd be running shit like you have no idea A couple days later, I went to the Museo of Antropología in Ciudad México. But it wasn't the exhibit that struck me the hardest. It was this family. The daughter and an elderly woman, her husband or her partner. They were all together just hanging out in the museum. And they were looking at this exhibition, talking about how the exhibition that was indigenous culture reflected them. And I'm like, this is what it feels like to be represented in history. And for me, this is what I've never felt being in museums. And yes, there's been beautiful exhibitions in museums in Los Angeles and across the U.S., but it finally clicked of where I came from, the way that it was governed and the way that there were empires and colonization came and then the great Mexican-American War and all this historical perspective to me was just, it finally clicked for me. I had an aha moment of learning about myself. March 6th, 2023. One week in Ciudad Mexico really wasn't enough. I wanted to spend more time eating, obviously, meeting more people, connecting, going to museums. I only went to about three or four places that were historical. I wanted to do more. But I am on a schedule, so I really had to get going to Veracruz. It's kind of wild because I get to see the physical location of my identity. It's manifested here in Ciudad Mendoza, Veracruz. But I've always struggled where I fit into this place. Like, my parents tell me stories about what it is to live here, but I've never lived here. I've struggled with that term again my whole entire life. Ni de aquí, ni de allá. Not from here, not from there. And now that I'm here, it's kind of like an out-of-body experience. I'm walking around with my tia and my prima, and they're showing me around Ciudad Mendoza, which is our hometown. Oh, wow. We just came from Tacos, and we're walking at night. It felt like I was getting the full Ciudad Mendoza experience, hanging out with family, just casually talking about work, talking about the culture here in Mexico, and also talking about family chisme. This was a moment that I had never had before. I'm not able to do this in LA. I couldn't have done it anywhere else, and just by being here and doing some really simple things like eating tacos meant the world for me.
As we walk up to my grandma's door, my dad's telling me all this family history and drama about like the family home and the neighbor next door. Why, why did they fight the property? Because there was this feud about like location and territory and real estate stuff. And I'm over here like nervous as heck, just trying to meet my grandma. Mommy! Hola. Hola, abuela. ¿Cómo estás, hijo? Bien. ¿Sabes quién es? Brian. Me voy a acordar. Ahí está en las fotos. I truly thought that I would never get to meet my paternal grandma in person ever again. Like, my heart was racing. I felt like I was getting dizzy. My whole life I've waited for this moment, and I know it sounds a little cheesy, but it truly felt like I'd been waiting for this moment my whole life. She's so small and tiny. Her hair is way prettier in person. You know, she has some sort of, like, style to her. It was just this moment of, like, the most simple hello, but it meant the world to me. I stayed with my grandma on my mom's side for about five nights. <laughs> There's this train called La Bestia that runs from the south end of Mexico all the way to the north. And that train passes through my grandma's house at any hour at night. Back when I was eight years old, 10 years old, 15 years old, 25 years old, when I would Skype with my grandma or I would talk on the phone with her, Every so often, you'd hear the blare of the horn, and it was so palpable. Just hearing that train on the phone made me think of Ciudad Mendoza, Veracruz, as a part of home. And now I'm here in the same house where I heard that train sound. And it's keeping me up at night. March 11, 2023. I'm sitting in the kitchen at my grandma's house, and the spread looks delicious. Across from me, it is my grandma and my dad and our family friend, Selena. There is fruit, a fruit bowl in the middle of the table. We have coffee, and we have eggs a la mexicana. And we're just talking about our trip back home, because I know in just a few hours, I'm going to be getting on a plane and departing from Veracruz to Tijuana and off to San Diego in L.A. This whole trip had an expiration date. At almost every step of the way, when it's been a joyous occasion or it's been a moment that I just want to keep, I do feel like a little bit of grief comes along with that. It feels like you're celebrating and then you're kind of putting it in a little box and putting it away because you don't know when you can tap into that emotion again. Going to church service with my uncle, going to a gay bar with my friends, eating tamales or tacos or having a mezcal from Mexico. But there is always an expiration date. And for me, that's the hard part. I don't know when I'll be back. I don't know when I'll have this opportunity to apply for advanced parole again. So it feels like you're celebrating and then you're kind of putting it in a little box and putting it away because you don't know when you can tap into that emotion again. 
and you have to set your expectations. I think that was the hard pill to swallow. Next time on Finding Home Kondaka. I made it into the U.S. We're in San Diego. I'm about to drive to L.A. after 17 days in Mexico. I'm back in the U.S. and all I'm thinking about is I miss it and I want to go back. And we're talking about the emotional journey so many immigrants and their families have navigated by finding home in Los Angeles and the United States. I would cry and tell my mom, like, let's go back. Like, please, let's go back. That's in part three, Outside In. My name is Maria. I am the creator of the Instagram page at Itiene Papeles. I applied to Advanced Parole for humanitarian purposes. I'm Beatrice Casares Herman. I'm 36 years old. I hadn't been back to Mexico since I left at the age of three, and I wanted to see a granduncle whose health was quickly deteriorating. The most vivid memory of my time there was realizing that it was the middle of my stay. I remember going up to the room that I was sharing with my abuelita, and she was asleep, and I started hugging her, and it just kind of hit me that time was running out and I don't know how long until I would return or if I would ever see her again. Upon my return back to LA, I was a mess. I had a panic attack as the plane boarded in Mexico, even though I knew I had a legal document that allowed me to return. As I handed my documents to the officer, the first words out of his mouth were, welcome home. Finding Home Gondaka is a special series from LA Studios and How to LA. How to LA is hosted by me, Brian De Los Santos. This episode was produced by Evan Jacoby. Our other producers are Megan Botel and Victoria Alejandro. Erica Washington writes our newsletter. Chris Farias is our social media producer. Hasmik Pagosian is our engineer. Megan Larson is our executive producer. Support for this podcast is made possible by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe that quality journalism makes Los Angeles a better place to live. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people.